Well, the results are in, and I can now tell you what the most popular Halloween costumes were this year. Just a few weeks ago, we, we celebrated Halloween, and I can tell you what the most popular costumes that were worn by both children and adults this year, what they were. Let's begin with costumes for children. Coming in at number five, worn by 3.7% of the children, was Superman, a Superman costume. Number four, just beating out Superman, was Spider-Man. Now, I like them both. I prefer Spider-Man, so I'm kind of happy about that. Spider-Man came in with 4.4% of the kids wearing that. Number three was a witch. Number two was a pirate, obviously inspired by Pirates of the Caribbean. And the number one co child's costume this year in 2006 was a princess. 11.5% of the children, I'm presuming girls, wore a princess costume this year. So that's what the kids wore. What did adults wear? Well, coming in at number five was a clown, any kind of clown. 1.8% uh, wore that. Uh, coming in at number four was a cat, any kind of cat. Number three was a vampire, 3.7%. Number two, making another appearance, is a pirate. It was on both the, the children's and the adults' costume list. Uh, came in at number two, 3.7%. And coming in at number one with 17.5% was a witch. That was the most popular adult costume this year for Halloween. We actually had a lot of interesting costumes show up on our front door this Halloween. We had 50 people all together who came and rang our doorbell. Uh, of course, the worst part of that is that there weren't as many leftovers as I was hoping. Uh, we have a split entry in our home, and Shara was actually working on that night, so I was home alone. And I ended up spending the evening running up and down the stairs to, uh, to greet the children at the door. Of course, that was just for one night. And after it was all done, all the kids in the neighborhood, went, they all went back to their homes and they went back to normal and, and everyone went back to looking as normal as they ever looked. Oh, maybe some had melted chocolate around their mouths, but still pretty normal because that's the way it works. Halloween comes once a year and then you put the costumes away. Well, at least most do. But there is one segment of the population that tends to keep their costume on. They feel like they have to look a certain way and pretend to be something that they're not. And there have been times that I've actually found myself right alongside them. Uh, there have been times that I've thought to myself, maybe not consciously, but I've thought this, I'm a Christian. I have to look like a Christian. I have to hide my flaws. I have to talk a certain way. I have to put on a happy face. I have to project this false front. I have to put on the Christian costume and impress everyone with my religiosity. How about you? Have you ever felt the pressure to do that? Have you ever felt frustrated with how cheap and superficial and shallow that can be? Have you ever felt guilty about it? Have you ever felt disillusioned by it and wondered if it was all worth it? Have you ever felt like you couldn't pull off the facade any longer and so maybe you should just quit? Have you ever felt like a hypocrite? Do you know where that word hypocrite comes from? It comes from ancient Greece. Speaking of which, I think I actually have some of that under my kitchen counter. But in ancient Greek society, the theater was extremely important. And they would put on these huge plays in large amphitheaters. 
Now, the actors obviously didn't have microphones to make their voices heard, and they didn't have cameras and projectors to magnify their images onto screens. So they invented their own system. They developed these big masks that you could see from a long ways away, uh, and the masks made them look like the characters that, they were, that the actors were trying to portray. And then they built into the masks megaphones to amplify their voices. So the actors got on stage, got behind their masks, and they became someone else. Someone different than they really were. In Greek, this play acting was called hypocrisis, from which we get our word hypocrisy and hypocrite. Those actors were not what they appeared to be. They claimed to be one thing, but in reality, they were another. Of course, it's not just Christians who struggle with this. There are lots of people who pretend to be something that they're not, and who try to look a certain way to impress other people. I, mean, I saw on the news this week that breast implants have gone up 37% in just the past five years. People are so concerned with looking a certain way before others. Now, I'm not saying that appearances don't matter, because they do. Even I brushed my hair this morning, I ironed my shirt, I shaved, I brushed my teeth. But what I want to propose to you this morning is this. It's in your notes. The makeover God wants to work in your life is not a cosmetic cover-up. It's a heart transformation. You get that? The makeover God wants to work in your life is not a cosmetic cover-up. It's a heart transformation. It's not about what you do. It's who you are. It's not about what you say. It's why you say it. It's not about where you go. It's why you live. And this makeover does not begin on the outside. It begins on the inside. But don't just take my word for it, take God's word for it. This is what he tells us in his word. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For God is working in you. He's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Circle those words, in you. What God's doing in you changes your actions, not the other way around. Let's look at another verse. We've looked at this one before. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to act like his son. Is that what it says? No, it says that he chose them to, not to act, he chose them to become like his son. God didn't choose you to act like his son, he chose you to become like his son. Circle that word, become. So again, it's not a superficial thing, it's a complete makeover. The Bible actually says you become a new creation. You become a new person. It's not a cosmetic cover-up. It's a heart transformation. Okay, well, I messed up that verse. Let's try another one. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, But now you must act There, I did it again. It doesn't say you must act holy. It says you must be holy. It's a transformation. It's not a cosmetic cover-up. It's a heart transformation. Now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So you don't just change a few habits. You don't just edit your vocabulary. You don't just add a few good deeds to your schedule. God makes you a new person from the inside out. Because understand this, you don't change the inside by changing the outside. You change the outside by changing the inside. You get that? What you do doesn't change who you are. But who you are certainly changes what you do. And God understands that. Hey, he made, he made us that way. 
In fact, when you try to do it the opposite way, when you try to change the outside before you've changed the inside, what happens? Well, you become judgmental, you become bitter, you become frustrated, you become hypocritical. And there's more than enough of that already in this world. There's more than enough of that in churches already. So as for you, you count on God to transform you on the inside, and then you allow that to change how you live on the outside, okay? Now, is it too early to talk about Christmas? We're still a couple weeks away from the Advent season. Is, is it okay to bring up Christmas now? Is it okay to mention Christmas and Halloween in the same message? I'm not sure that's allowed. There may be rules against that, but I think I'll risk it. How many of you have seen How the Grinch Stole Christmas? For those of you who haven't, where have you been? How could you not have seen The Grinch? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And if you haven't seen it, then I hope I don't ruin it for you. But hey, the cartoon's been out for 40 years this year. So I think you've had your opportunity. But in this story, do you remember how much the Grinch hated Christmas? Do you remember how much he hated it when other people celebrated Christmas? Particularly the Who's who lived in Whoville at the foot of the mountain that the Grinch lived in? So what did he do about it? Well, he decided to dress up like Santa Claus and, and go down into the town and steal all the things that were associated with Christmas. Now, he dressed up like Santa, but did he become like Santa? Of course not. The changes were only superficial. Even though his appearance was different, he was still the same mean old Grinch on the inside. But do you remember what happened near the end of the story? The Grinch had gone down into, into the town and he had stolen all the decorations and all the gifts and anything that was, had anything to do with Christmas. And he had it all bundled up in this bag on the back of this sleigh. And he had it up on top of the mountain. And then he just listened. He went over and he listened to how the Who's would, would react. He expected them to, to come out of their homes and discover that everything was gone. And to start crying and sobbing and whining about how Christmas was ruined. But what happened instead? Well, the Who's came, they, they woke up that morning, they went out into the living rooms, they came outside, realized everything was gone. But then they just started to sing anyway. They started to sing and celebrate Christmas. And what happened to the Grinch? Well, when he realized what they were doing, and he realized that that Christmas wasn't all about the toys and wasn't all about the gifts, wasn't all about the decorations. He changed. And in, if you've seen the cartoon, you remember that scene because it's a scene where his heart grew three sizes that day. That's what we're told. His heart grew three sizes that day, and that's what made the difference. And the Grinch turned completely around, and he ended up celebrating uh, Christmas with the, right alongside the Who's. But his heart was changed. That's what made the difference. So we're talking about a heart transformation. What do you think of when you hear the word heart? If I say you've got a lot of heart, what does that mean? It means you're passionate. If you put your heart into something, what does that mean? It means that you're devoted. If you give someone your heart, it means you love them, right? If we go to the heart of the matter, we're going to the very core. Basically, when we talk about heart, 
We're talking about everything that makes you, you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify, which means to be made like Jesus or to be made holy. May God sanctify you. How? Through and through. Every part of you, everything that makes you, you. May God sanctify you through and through. Not just in the things you do, not just in the things you say, but through and through. So how does this happen? How do you undergo this heart transformation? Well, it's really not all that complicated. In fact, it's pretty simple. It's simple to understand anyway. It can be difficult to enact, but it's simple to understand. So let me explain it to you in three simple steps. Three steps to heart transformation. Number one, give God permission to change you. You've got to decide if you really want this heart transformation to happen, and if you do, then give God permission to do it. Because God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you if you don't want him. If you choose to reject him and reject his ways, then he'll respect that decision. You will have to face the consequences of that decision someday, but it's a decision that you're free to make, and God won't force himself on you. And it's not a new decision that people are faced with today. 3,000 years ago, King David was confronted with an area of sin and weakness in his own life. He had done some pretty bad things. He had even committed adultery and then arranged for the woman's husband to be killed so that he could have her for himself. And all of that came from a heart of selfishness and lust. And David realized that it needed to be changed. When he was confronted with what he had done, he knew that he needed to change. And he also knew that he couldn't change on his own. So this became his prayer. He repented of what he did and then he prayed. This is in, in Psalm 51 verse 10. He prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart. He gave God permission to change him from the inside out. Is that the prayer that you need to pray today? A prayer that gives God permission to change you. Wouldn't be a bad prayer for each one of us to pray every day, would it? If you want to have a heart transformation, you need to give God permission to change you. Secondly, you need to cooperate with what God is doing in you. See, here's the key. You can't change yourself. Only God can perform this heart transformation. He created you in the first place, and he's more than capable of recreating you. But again, he's not going to do it without your permission and your cooperation. I mentioned earlier that these steps are simple, but not always easy. And this is probably where it gets toughest. Because sometimes, even when we want God to change us, we don't really want him to change us. You know? We like our sin too much. And we don't like the tension that change brings. We don't like that period of discomfort or struggle or even failure that often accompanies change. And so we give up and we refuse to go along with it. We stop cooperating. We fight against what God's trying to do in us. We just don't cooperate. But the better approach would be to say, God, I know this won't always be easy. I know that change can be difficult. I know that change can even be painful. But I want to cooperate with you as best as I know how because I know that you want what's best for me and I know that I can trust you. So show me where you're working in my life and show me how I can cooperate with what you're doing. 
Wouldn't that be a great way to respond? In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, there's a prayer where someone said, in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, they said, We are the clay, you are the potter. What's that saying? It's saying, God, you're in charge. You form me and transform me as you see fit. Is that the prayer that you need to pray today? You need to give God permission. You need to, need to cooperate with Him. And thirdly, you need to allow the interchanges to be expressed outwardly. This is where the things that you do and the things you say and the places you go, this is where those become important. They don't precede the heart transformation. They're a natural outflow of the heart transformation. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, good people do good things because of the good, where? In their hearts. Bad people do bad things because of the evil, where? In their hearts. So for better or for worse, what's on the inside is what becomes expressed outwardly. And that means that God is, if God's performing a heart transformation in you, and if you're cooperating with it, then it's going to impact the way that you live. But this time, there's not going to be that feeling of, of hypocrisy that accompanies it. There's not going to be the dissonance or the conflict between what you do and who you really are. You'll be able to live with integrity, with oneness, with wholeness. So there you go. Three simple steps. Give permission, cooperate, and let it be put into practice and become expressed outwardly. Three simple steps that can be enacted in your life every day of your life for the rest of your life. There's nothing revolutionary here. It's, it's all pretty simple. It's all basic. It's not revolutionary, except that it will be revolutionary for you. But don't feel like you have to get ahead of the game when you're going through this. As you're giving God permission, permission and cooperating with Him and putting it into practice, don't feel like you have to get ahead of the game. You don't have to pretend that God has already perfected you in every area of your life. Just be honest with where you're at right now and keep pressing on, giving permission, cooperating, and putting into practice. The Apostle Paul understood this. He was Superman in the early church. and He wrote half of the books in our New Testament. He's someone that you'd almost expect to have it all together. But what did he say? Well, in one of his letters, he wrote about spiritual maturity, and he wrote about experiencing the full power of Jesus in your life. And then he said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the, that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So this heart transformation we're talking about is a continual thing. It's the work of God in your life every day of your life. Sometimes he's performing minor changes. Sometimes there's major changes. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes the changes happen over a period of time. Sometimes they happen rather quickly, almost instantaneously. Uh, and there's always more. You don't have to pretend that you've got it all together and that God is finished with you because he's continually working on you. God always has more for you. He'll continually make you more like his son. And that's a wonderful thing. Just give God permission to work in you, cooperate with what he's doing, and then don't fight it. Allow the changes to take effect and impact the way that you live. And what you will discover is that the makeover God wants to work in your life is not a cosmetic cover-up. It's a heart transformation. 
Can you imagine how your life would be different if you would consistently do these three simple things? Can you imagine the changes? Can you imagine feeling free from hypocrisy? That fake it till you make it mentality? You know, putting on those masks and pretending to be something you're not? How would it be different if you could just say, you know, I'm flawed, but God's working in me. And little by little, as I cooperate with what he's doing, this will change. I will change. Every day, I'm becoming more and more like the person he made me to be. I'm becoming more like his son. How different would it be if you could say that instead of trying to impress everyone and pretending that you have it all together and experiencing those feelings of hypocrisy? How different would it be if you could just be honest with your weaknesses and say, God's still working on me? The changes God wants to work in your life, the renovation he wants to bring to who you are, it happens over time. It's not an instantaneous thing. It's an ongoing process. And as you trust him, and as you follow him, you will see wonderful things happening in and through your life. Just give God permission to work in your life, cooperate with what he's doing, and allow the changes that he's working in your life to become expressed outwardly.